0: What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. The Boston University CTE Center released a new study this past week that found CTE in more than 40% of youth, high school, and college athletes, mainly football players, that suffered repeated head impact from contact sports and died before turning 30 years old. This study was one of the latest to show the devastating impact of these injuries in some of our favorite sports. So today I'm going to break down the study's findings, and I'm also going to give an overview of the monetary investments professional sports leagues are making into research to make their sports safer. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode, so let's get right into it. So let's start with the study itself. This study was done by Boston University's CTE Center. It was released this past week on Monday, August 28th. And the study found CTE was present in 40% of the athletes they studied. We're talking about youth athletes, high school athletes, and college athletes who had repetitive head impact from contact sports and died before the age of 30. The study examined 152 brains and 63 of them had CTE at the time of their death, but every single one of those 152 at least showed early signs of CTE, right? So if they studied a 15-year-old, maybe the 15-year-old didn't have CTE today, but they had early signs of it and could have developed the real disease at some point in the future. So this is one of the most comprehensive CTE studies to date, especially given the age of the people participating in this study. The 40% number would be substantial all on its own, but it's even crazier when you consider that just 1% of the general population dies with CTE normally, right? So if you took the entire general population, regardless of what sports they played or anything else like that, one out of 100 people, actually less than that, would have signs of CTE at death. The athletes that they studied here of them had CTE at the time of their death. So I want to give a little bit of background on what CTE is, and then we'll go into what the sports leagues are doing about this. So CTE is a progressive and fatal brain disease associated with repeated traumatic brain injuries called TBIs. We're talking about concussions and repeated blows to the head, commonly found in sports like football, but there's some other ones too that we'll get into. Symptoms of CTE include memory loss, depression, aggressive behavior, and sometimes suicidal thoughts. CTE can only be diagnosed after death. So when you talk about CTE, it's impossible to determine if someone has CTE while they're still alive. Their brain needs to be examined, which is why in all these studies, these brains are specifically donated for that cause, right? To examine their brain and determine if they had CTE. And there is currently no known cure for the disease. Now, the most common reference that you'll hear about CTE is in football. That's because there's been a ton of NFL players with CTE. We're talking about players like Junior Seau, Aaron Hernandez, Vincent Jackson, and Demaryius Thomas were all diagnosed with CTE after death. And the NFL was actually ordered to pay $1 billion to thousands of former players as part of a class action lawsuit that was settled in 2013. So we're talking about players like Mike Webster. He died at 50 years old of a heart attack. They examined his brain. He had CTE. Junior Seau. Died at 43 years old by suicide. They examined his brain. He had CTE. Andre Waters. Died at 44 years old by suicide. They examined his brain. He had CTE. Aaron Hernandez. Died at 27 by suicide after a 2013 murder conviction. They examined his brain. He had CTE. Philip Adams. Died at 32 after shooting and killing six people before killing himself. They examined his brain. He had CTE. Vincent Jackson. Died at 38 years old of alcohol abuse. They examined his brain. He had CTE. Demarius Thomas died at 33 years old after a seizure disorder complications. They examined his brain. He had CTE. And that's really just scratching the surface. There have been many, 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 many other football players, unfortunately, that have died, had their brains examined, and been found to have CTE. Furthermore, there was a January 2023 study also done by Boston University's CTE Center, And it found that 345 out of the 376 NFL players that they examined had CTE. That's nearly 92% of the brains they examined. Again, they examined 376 NFL players, 345, 91.7% of them had CTE. Now, this revelation, we'll call it, has had a significant negative impact on the sport, specifically for football. For example, from 2006 to 2017, The number of people of all ages participating in tackle football dropped from 8.4 million to 5.22 million. That's nearly a 40% decrease over a decade. High school football specifically saw a 10.3% decline in participation from 2008 to 2018. And participation in tackle football for children ages 6 to 12 has dropped nearly 30% since 2016. So again, whether you want to look at kids or high schoolers, it doesn't really matter. The participation in tackle football across the country is down tremendously since these studies started getting produced 10, 15, 20 years ago. And it's only getting worse. This stuff is accelerating to some degree, too. We're talking about high school, youth, and so on. Football participation across the country is down tremendously. But it's not like the NFL is going to sit back and watch their $20 billion annual revenue business disintegrate into thin air. So the world's most profitable sports league has spent millions of dollars, millions, probably hundreds of millions at this point, on NFL flag. NFL flag, for those that don't know what it is, it's essentially the NFL's own version of flag football. Maybe some of you know about Pop Warner or other ones like that. NFL flag is the NFL's own flag football league. It's huge, too. They currently have over 500,000 youth athletes. It ranges in ages from 4 to 17. They have women participating also. They have over 1,600 teams in all 50 states. So this is absolutely huge. They're currently trying to get the sport into the Olympics, right? So they're trying to turn flag football into an Olympic sport. And many people look at this and they say, is the future of the NFL flag football? Are they really going to do that? Do people even want that? And I think the easiest thing to do is just to zoom out for a second and think about the whole picture here. Because in my opinion, I think it's fairly obvious that they're not trying to transition people from tackle football into flag football. I think what the NFL is trying to do is to use flag football to safely teach kids the game of football while delaying the amount of hits to the head they receive until high school. That's a win, right? If you can delay the amount of head-to-head contact someone has until high school, and maybe you eliminate that by one, maybe eliminate it by a hundred, maybe eliminate it by a few thousand. I don't know what the answer ends up being. It's dependent on the kid and how long they play. But every single hit that you eliminate from them, head-to-head contact-wise, is a win for the NFL. You can still learn the fundamentals of the game. I knew plenty of people who didn't play football until they got to high school. They were good enough players. It didn't really matter. So I think that's what the NFL is ultimately focused on, is to teach people the game, use this as a way to get people into the game. And then if you think about it internationally too, if you're able to make flag football an Olympic sport, you're going to bring millions, millions of more people into the sport that wouldn't have otherwise known about it. Maybe they play flag and then say, oh, I want to play the real thing. This is a lot of fun. I can go make a living doing And then that's when more people come in. So flag football, I would say, actually has the opportunity to grow the sport when we're seeing this huge decline in tackle football participation. If they're able to make flag football work, and they are to a large degree, right? There's over 500,000 youth athletes participating in this, 1,600 teams across all 50 states. If they're able to make this an Olympic sport, that helps tremendously. So it's going to take some time to see how this investment plays out. And with NFL salaries continuing to grow every single year, It's unclear if medical advice would even stop people from playing, right? There's plenty of people who say, okay, I'm really good at this sport. I grew up playing it. I have the chance to go professional. I'm okay with the chance that I may get CTE. It sounds stupid, but I'm telling you, there are plenty of people that will take that risk because of the opportunity it has to change the trajectory of their family financially, to give them the opportunity to play the sport that they love, and so forth. There's plenty of sports like this. We're talking about UFC, boxing. There's plenty. I'm telling you. Many people would still play the game, even with the knowledge that they may get CTE. But I also think that many people are discounting how important the subject is in other sports. Take soccer, for instance. It's not nearly as physical of a game as football. And many parents, I imagine, would have no problem with their kids playing the sport, especially over football. If your kid comes up to you and they say, hey, I want to go play soccer. I'm worried about head injuries and in football. I don't want to get a CTE. Many parents would be like taking that as a relief and saying, "Okay, go ahead, go play soccer." But the truth is that there are hundreds of retired professional soccer players that have been diagnosed with CTE too. A lot of this comes from high-speed headers. It's estimated that if you have a long career internationally and you're in the top flight of English soccer, you're heading the ball seventy thousand, maybe a hundred thousand times. But even more of this actually comes from just head-to-head contact on the pitch, which can lead to dementia, it can lead to CTE, it can lead to many other things. And again. Hundreds of soccer players at this point, everyone from MLS players to World Cup players, have been diagnosed with CTE after death. And another sport where it's not exactly clear is hockey. Now, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman has routinely downplayed a link between hockey and CTE. He told NPR in 2013, There have been isolated cases of players who have played the game who have had CTE, but it doesn't mean that it necessarily came from playing in the NHL. Now, that's certainly one way to look at it. And to be fair, he also noted that he said, we don't fight as much as we used to. And that's true, but there are still plenty of other ways, plenty of other ways to get CTE playing hockey. And there are many people who have been diagnosed with CTE after death that played in the NHL. So the NHL, Gary Bettman and other people like that can continue to deny it, but the data is almost undeniable at this point, right? We're seeing it in virtually every study that has come out over the last decade that all of these contact sports, sports that have head-to-head contact, can cause traumatic brain injuries, TBIs, and lead to CTE in the death of some of these athletes. Now, one thing to keep in mind here is that Boston University's CTE Center completely disagrees with NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman. They published a study in 2022 that says each additional year a person plays hockey may increase their chance of developing CTE by 23%. Let me read that again. A study from Boston University's CTE Center in 2022 says that each additional year a person plays hockey may increase their chance of developing CTE by 23%. And there's another study from the Concussion Legacy Foundation on the brains of 17 former NHL players that found that 16 out of the 17, 94% of the brains that they studied, albeit on a small scale, just 17 players, had CTE, including several Hall of Famers. So the question is, are people just going to stop playing sports altogether because of this data? Well, no, of course not. Sports are an intricate part of society. They're a massive, massive, massive business at this point. They teach children things like hard work, leadership, and teamwork. And thousands of people make a living playing professional sports. But that doesn't mean there isn't a better solution. The NFL, for example, has implemented a bunch of rules to limit head-to-head contact. They have reduced the amount of full contact practices in the collective bargaining agreement with the NFLPA, so They have a specific limit on how many training camp practices can have full contact, on how many in-season practices can have full contact, on how many postseason practices can have full contact. All across the board, they agreed to this with the NFLPA in the latest CBA. They have also implemented head injury spotters in the press box of every NFL game. There are people literally in the press box of every single NFL game called head injury spotters that their one job is to look out and see if they can diagnose anyone with a concussion by just looking, right? If anyone wobbles, if anyone has a hard time getting up, if anyone's throwing up, anything like that. Because as we know, the NFL is a cutthroat business. People want to keep their jobs. In a lot of cases, players will just play through this stuff, right? they are act like they're okay. So this spotter is intentionally designed to be there to find people that may have concussion-like symptoms and get them off the field via a radio down to the field. Then once they get off the field, Every single NFL sideline has doctors and neurotrauma specialists on the sideline that can talk to these players right away, can diagnose them with concussions, can get them off the field and get them to the hospital immediately. Now, that's not to say they don't miss some stuff. There's been plenty of cases where we see on social media where a player is dizzy or spinning around or lining up in the wrong way and whatever. And they clearly are either concussed or dizzy or whatever it is, right? They don't know where they are and the spotters have missed it. So it's not to say that they do a perfect job but they're there and that's their job. The NFL also has implemented the use of guardian caps during practices. These are the things that you see in training camp videos. It's like extra padding on top of a player's head. They use these in college for a long period of time in high school, the company to determine that it would reduce force by 20%. So when two people collide, it reduces the force of that collision by 20%, potentially leading to less concussions and less head-to-head impact. So those are all good. And there's a bunch of other solutions too. One that I think is really interesting is this thing called a Q-collar. Many of you have probably seen it, but you probably didn't even understand what it was. The Q-collar kind of looks like a horseshoe almost. It's a silicone collar that's worn around the neck of a player, and it applies light pressure to the jugular veins. This pressure causes a slight increase in blood volume inside the head, and it helps reduce the brain's movement upon impact, which is the primary cause of brain injury. Now, this device has been approved by the FDA. It costs about $200, so most teams can certainly afford them for the players if the player doesn't want to buy it themselves. And many NFL players have been wearing it. Guys like Tony Pollard, Shaq Thompson, Boston Scott, Luke Keekley wore it a lot before he retired. And there's hundreds of other athletes. If you watch college football, lacrosse, soccer, even high school sports, I guarantee you that you're going to be seeing these huge collars around. They've become tremendously popular over the last several years. The data is there, right? This thing has been approved by the FDA. It's been independently tested, and they claim that it can reduce concussions by a significant amount. That's why some of these players are wearing it. Again, it's fairly new, so maybe this data changes over time, but that is why they're wearing it today. I guarantee you, if you look up Q Collar, you'll see one of the players that you know wearing it, and when you watch games, you'll notice more players wearing it too. Now, to be fair about all of this, I don't want to just give the NFL, the NHL, soccer a hard time. The NFL specifically has been investing a lot of money in this. They've invested hundreds of millions of dollars at this point in concussion and helmet research. They donated $45 million to USA football to help promote safe tackling at the youth level. I already talked about what they're doing with flag football. The league held a $3 million grant to boost helmet safety. It was basically a competition to see who could come up with the best solution for helmet safety. 99.9% of players are now wearing a what they call a top performing helmet in the NFL, but still, The writing is on the wall for a lot of this stuff. There's plenty of evidence at this point that indicates repetitive head trauma leads to CTE in football, in soccer, in the NHL, basically in a lot of these contact sports. And many parents have taken notice. I talked about the decline in youth tackle football participation over the last decade. It's gone down tremendously and has not even stabilized yet. It's clearly something that the NFL is worried about, and it's something that they're looking to fix. Now, if you look at soccer or even hockey to some degree, those sports have not seen a similar decline. I think soccer specifically is an interesting one. It's the world's most popular sport. It traditionally has not been a super popular sport here in the United States. So it's growing as people like Messi, the World Cup's coming, etc. I don't think that's going to go on a decline. It's clearly not associated as much in people's mind with CTE as football is. So if you're not going to play football... What are your other options? Maybe it's baseball, maybe it's basketball, but soccer is certainly an option, and it's a growing option, to be fair. So I think that is going to keep on its trajectory and keep growing at the youth level, despite some of the concerns that we've seen with CTE. But ultimately, this is a question that every parent has to ask themselves. I've had this conversation with many friends at this point, and they say, hey, would you allow your kids to play tackle football? And my take on this might be different from yours, and your take might be different from someone else's. But one of the things that commonly comes up is that people that played football really value the things that they got from football, even if they didn't play in college, even if they didn't play professional. Sports teach you a lot of things, right? The things that I mentioned earlier, we're talking about leadership, teamwork, all of that hard work. I don't know about you guys, but when I played football in high school, we used to wake up at 6 a.m. every morning during the summer. We had two a day workouts in tremendous amounts of heat. It was exhausting. It was tired, but I did it with my friends. And I would trade anything to go back and do that kind of stuff. It was amazing. It was so much fun. It taught me a lot of stuff. So I think that is all super, super, super important. Obviously, there's some negatives that go along with that. I didn't end up playing in college. I certainly didn't go professional. So were these head-to-head hits worthless? Were they for nothing? I don't know, right? That's up to everyone else to make their decision. But I do agree with the NFL stance today, which is if we can limit the amount of hits people take until they get to high school, a lot of those players aren't going to go play in college, and a lot of them aren't going to go play professional. So ultimately, you're, you're closing the window to about four years where you're going to take a certain amount of hits. And in a lot of cases, high schools are doing what NFL teams are doing now. You're not hard hitting every single day, full contact in practice. A lot of these practices are walkthroughs or light with shells. You're not hitting people super hard, and you're limiting the amount of contact in addition to being taught how to do a lot of this stuff right. Again, the technology is getting better. Companies like Cute are working on other things to supplement it. And what the NFL is essentially trying to do is say, hey, this game is tremendous. It's a lot of fun. A lot of people like it. Let's limit the window that these people have of where they're actually going to get injured. And maybe people will consistently keep playing. it." And I certainly think that's one option. And it's something that a lot of my friends have repeated to me, which is saying, hey, maybe I won't let my kid play tackle football when they're 10 years old. But by the time they get to high school, maybe they played flag football. They know how to play, right? They have some level of technique. We can teach them the technique of tackling pretty early on. And then even if they just play three or four years, they still get all the benefits that I got out of playing when I was in high school, but they don't have to deal with the head trauma that they would have for playing college football or NFL football. And again, this is different for everyone. Some players will go on to play college football or play NFL football. I don't think this is necessarily going to shut down overnight, but I do think that this is something that has been building up for a decade now. And the evidence is getting stronger and stronger and stronger that if you go play in the NFL and you have a 10-year career or more, and you're having continuous head injury after head injury, you're not a punter, you're not a kicker, you're going to get CTE. The numbers just explain that, right? I told you guys earlier, almost 94, 95% of the athletes that they studied that played in the NFL died with CTE. This is the thing. And some of these cases are much worse than others with the depression, with the suicidal thoughts, with the migraines, whatever. Some people have CTE and never experience that type of stuff. But it's something that people are going to be much more worried about. And parents specifically with their youth are the ones of concern, right? Because if you're a parent and you know about these stats and you know how dangerous this game can be, you may not even let your kid play it. And if your kid is never exposed to the sport, if you say you're not going to go play football, you're going to play soccer instead, or you're going to play basketball, or you're going to focus on baseball, or maybe all three of those, but you're certainly not going to play football, then they're never exposed to the game. And they necessarily don't even have the chance to go play the game. Maybe they get to high school and say, ah, screw that. I don't want to go play those sports. I'm going to play football. But in a lot of cases, they're going to stick with whatever they were taught when they were younger. I know a bunch of kids that played soccer when they were younger, never got into football because of that. And by the time they got to high school, the seasons overlapped and they stuck with soccer. So I think that's a big thing to keep in mind, which is if youth participation continues to decline, the pool of talent the NFL is going to continue to pick from keeps going lower and lower and lower. And only more evidence is going to come out. Now that these universities and these research centers know what to look out for, how to diagnose some of this stuff, they're going to keep researching this stuff. They're going to keep looking at these brains. People are going to continue to donate them. And this is only something that's going to become under the microscope more and more. So I'll update you guys as we get more information, if any more studies come out. But I think this is a really interesting topic. In a lot of ways, it's super sad and depressing. I don't want to read. I don't want to write. I don't want to talk about 13-year-olds in this study that died and had CTE. That's super sad. It's a very unfortunate reality of some of these sports, specifically football. But I don't think this is going away. This has become a huge part of sports business specifically. And it's something that while I don't want to read about it, while I don't want to write about it, while I don't want to talk about it, I have to because it's become a huge part of this. It's a big part about the future of the sport, the future of the NFL, which has become one of the world's biggest businesses and certainly the world's biggest and most profitable sports league. That's it for today though. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you were able to learn something. I have a super interesting interview that I recorded this week for you guys coming out on Monday. So look out for that. Have a great Labor Day weekend, and we'll talk on Monday.